You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro from Sassfin Securities, and this is the locked and loaded edition. Uh, David, the reason I'm saying that, of course, the reason I'm saying that, of course, is because of the oil crisis, and it is sort mm-hmm. of a mini crisis, isn't it? Uh, the, the, the oil price was up around 15 to 20 percent at one stage on certain thin markets last night. It's calmed down a little bit now, and the S&P has calmed down a little bit as well. But it really is a shot across the bows for the bulls of the stock market. Yeah, look, we don't know where this is going, where this is heading. Uh, the news coming across now is that Iran was responsible for it, you know, for this attack. And if that is the case, then there's going to be some kind of repercussions. Now, I don't know how that's going to be investigated, but uh, the Saudis seem to think it was uh, Iranian, you know, inspired by the Iranians. And and look, for the meantime, the markets have been okay. You know, they haven't overreacted. They haven't gone mad other than the oil price, but I think even that is going to settle down, or the market is suggesting that it's going to settle down and not really run away. You know, that, that the gap that the Saudis leave will be filled by perhaps some other producers or, you know, within a short time, um, oil will be restored. So I think the market is, at this at this stage, as things are, it's, it seems to be absorbing it. It's the problem is what comes next, whether there is any... Uh, geopolitical fallout, particularly in that region, and I mean that's the uh, you know that's the danger that does face face the market. But for me, times I think it's pretty calm. You know, I watch Lindsay. I watch the besides the oil price, I watch the gold price. Gold price has done nothing. Yeah, absolutely nothing. Even Treasuries or other safe havens haven't really responded. And and I'm looking at uh, equity markets now. The U.S. market seem to be just brushing it aside, and and uh, the early pullback that we've seen or earlier losses seems to be in, uh, you know, recovered now. The fact is that what the market is saying is that there's going to be no war and there's going to be no mm. oil shortage. The most immediate Mm-mm. concern was the oil shortage and obviously that people that had contracts entered into with Aramco have to go elsewhere and Aramco will obviously have insurance and let uh, other people mm. supply them. Uh, but so the first thing is no oil shortage because Trump has just said that he will allow strategic reserves to be released. There's also Aramco strategic reserves in places like just around mm. the corner from me in yeah. Amsterdam. So they, it can't be immediate, but they will release these oil tankers and they will go off and, and fulfill their contracts and away we go. So there's no oil shortage, I don't think, in the short to medium term and there's going to be no war. Whether there's going to be no war, I don't know because Mr. Trump seems to want to have some sort of legacy. He's failed with the wall. He's failed with North Korea. He's um, <laughs> Now he needs, he needs something to say this is what I did which Obama didn't do well, and wipe out uh, Iran. Or, uh, well, well I, does he want to do that? Because I yes, think against that backdrop, you had Bolton who wanted to do that. He's been fired. I think I think uh, Trump was taking a much easier stand. He wanted to meet with the Iranians um, and, and, and try and woo them or try and do something else. I don't think he really wanted to be you know, bombing them. But uh, so I, I'm, I'm not quite sure where this place is, Trump. I don't know what his generals are going to say to him. But uh, he appears to be in the middle because I think he wanted to be a, a peacemaker. I think he wanted to be the man who who uh, renegotiated the Iranian contract and got them to give up all their nuclear weapons and so on. 
uh, and a much tighter deal than uh, Obama had, uh, you know, had negotiated. So I don't know where this leaves him. I'm, I'm not sure that he's a warmongering person and wants to start pressing buttons, as we're seeing in Afghanistan at the moment. But uh, it's 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 uh, it's still fluid at this stage. But I think the market seems to be, you know, much more at peace than 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 maybe the media are. Yeah, the S&P was down 20 to 25 points in the early hours of this morning when the S&P futures contract opened uh, for online trading. Uh, it's currently down only around about five points. So the market mm. is incredibly sanguine about this sort of thing. The, mm. world, the world is well supplied with oil and Mr. Trump is making soothing approaches to Iran. And yeah, everything's fine again. Whereas maybe in the 90s or even the 80s, this sort of event yeah. would have caused <laughs> chaos on the markets, David. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt the gold price would have shot up. Oil price seems to have, you know, it seems to have uh, uh, knee-jerked upwards on that. But uh, I would imagine after a couple of days we'll start to see this, um, you know, we'll start to see it settle down. So that's where we are. It's uh, a, a rather dull kind of market, although um, on, on the local market things seem to be pretty brisk and uh, uh, running away. I'm not sure what the big drivers are here. Um, it doesn't reconcile with the with the rest of the world. You know, we we seem to be on a, a ride up, and I'm not sure whether I've missed any news. <laughs> Something that's happening that uh, that I haven't quite picked up. But um, you know, wherever I look now, everything seems to be going up across the board. So uh, all is forgiven. Yeah, yeah, locally. <laughs> oh, quite right. Uh, let's just go through one set of results, which um, mm. I, I spoke about this morning on the opening with Greg Davies and a chap called Nick Kunza from Sandland Private Wealth, and they both didn't want to talk about it, a company called Afrox. Now, if, oh, yeah. if yeah. I think of companies that uh, sort of epitomize the old-school South African mm. company, it yep. would be uh, AECI, mm. Afrox, and maybe a couple of others. Mm. Now, nobody mm. knows anything about Afrox anymore. What do you know about Afrox? No, you know, Afrox used to be one of the it used to win the prizes for um, for reporting. Um, it was a very very well followed business here and a highly successful business, uh, supplying gases number one to the welding you know welding gases to the manufacturing industry and virtually to every industry and also to the hospitality industry as well as the medical industry industry. You know all those big cylinders of oxygen that you see. Uh, at hospitals, these were all Afrox, and uh, uh, all the gas cookers that you see at, in restaurants, Afrox, and so on. Uh, heating, Afrox. So a very, very good company. I'm not quite sure why it went off the rails, whether it was management or not. They're trying to get it back. I think uh, got a little bit of a boost from the health industry there, but still a long way to go uh, to get back to former glory. And I would imagine that until we see manufacturing picking up dramatically, uh, we're not going to get much out of it. It's it's just one of those one of those businesses. I haven't followed it as close as I used to, um, but I see it was a fairly respectable result. But um, a bit too early to you know to to cheer a comeback from 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 Afrox. Yeah, indeed. You know, you know, no, look when you look at it. I, I'm just going to get the the latest now. When when you look at it, uh, Lindsay, this is a a market capitalization of seven billion, tiny. which is nothing, which is tiny in today's market. Uh, it used to punch a lot above its weight. You know, sorry, I wouldn't say above its weight, but it used to punch much more on the market now. But I suppose with a lack of growth over you know over such a long period. 
uh, it's just lost that um, you know that appeal. Look, it's up about six percent today. I think on a slightly better result than the market was expecting, but still, at seven billion, it's 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 not the kind of share that you can really throw a lot at. Let's look at the shares that have uh, moved today. We've spoken about Sassel. Uh, Sassel now close to 300 rand a share, up um, nearly 8%. Assel up 6.4%. MC yeah. Group up 5.4%, uh, mm-hmm. which is unusual. Aspen up 4.5%, pushing 100 as well. And Pick and Pay up 4.5%. So some diverse companies there, uh, but also South African focused, which which I quite like, as well as a bit of international here and there. But it says that people are starting to look at South Africa again and the JSC Securities Exchange and say, maybe we've been too unkind in the last few months. Okay. <laughs> you know, no, uh, your comment, please. <laughs> you know, you know it, what I'm trying to say to you is that, well, against what backdrop do we... Uh, do we attribute this? And uh, what's going to happen to pick and pay? Are the results going to shoot up? Do we get any clue in the market that uh, things are turning around? At best, we can say that things are stabilizing, and I don't see them stabilizing. You know, there's no evidence that uh, there's no evidence that consumers are suddenly uh, picking up and uh, confidence is rising and people are spending. There's nothing around that. Um, and that, that, that's my big worry is that I think this is just uh, uh, trade is taking advantage of a, of a turnaround in momentum. You know, I can't justify a lot of these, these movements. Yes, um, Aspen things are looking better. You know, they were down at 65 rand after the, after, uh, the scare on their debt, uh, debt looking much better. But I, do I see Aspen going to 130, 140, 150, not on the evidence of the last set of results. Hmm. Uh, there's no suggestion that their operating profits are going to uh, turn around you know, in any big way. So we're looking at sub, or, or, or put it this way, single-figure uh, growth rates for the next few years, which I suppose at seven or eight PE is maybe justifies these prices, but but not much more. And I think that is that really sets out what uh, our market is all about pick and pay you know what what can they really do from these kind of levels other than maybe steal some customer support from um some of the other supermarkets maybe shop right under a bit of pressure but Mm. it's very difficult to you know to get excited about this market on the downside we've got into prop down four and a half percent african rainbow minerals down 2.3 percent hammerson a 2.1 percent loser goldfields down two percent and Isel tile we don't need to talk about that but anyway down nearly two percent we're coming towards Mm. the end of the third quarter of 2019 Mm. i just wonder just wonder when you look back at the previous three quarters, it started really badly. It's got a little bit better in the third mm-hmm. quarter. I wonder what the fourth quarter will bring. Well, look, if global markets hold their own and uh, conditions start improving in the global economy, we don't see anything worse if there's a move towards a trade deal between China and uh, US. But once global markets start picking up, it has a natural, in a natural uplifting effect on our market. So I think you'll see our market picking up, but can we justify it? Does it mean that, uh, um, you know, we're going to run up to new heights? I can't see it. I just, I don't see it on the sets of results and the numbers that we've seen in the previous uh, um, three quarters, as well as the outlook from, you know, from uh, CEOs or from managers. Mm. Uh, They just don't give you a hint that um, everything's good. 
Uh, we don't see, you know, if you look at the manufacturing numbers that came up, mining once again starting to falter, manufacturing is falter, all the all the confidence indices point towards tough conditions, even the retail sales. So, I, you know, that, that's going to be my guideline, but I'm not going to stop a market if it wants to go better. You know, I'm not, uh, if you want to play in this market and, and push it better, that's fine. But I, it's whether it's sustainable or not, uh, Lindsay. I don't get that feeling. I don't know. I don't know what the other people that you talk to, you, you know what, you know what's happening as well. I'm just looking yes. at gold shares. Um, we've had three, we had three bad days of gold shares falling on, um, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I know you always mock me and always go at me. No. Tease is a better word. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I and and we've had a wonderful run in gold shares, and I I recognise it, but it's starting to show a little bit of it's labouring at the moment. Yeah, you're quite and right. And I thought maybe it would turn around today with the with the situation in uh, the Middle East in Saudi Arabia, but it hasn't. It's lost momentum. You know, once more. Um, gold shares under a bit of pressure. Yes, the index is up today, but um, I would have thought it would have been a much stronger showing Exactly today. what fact, I said this morning to, to Greg yeah. Davies. I said to him, the fact that it's only up $10, $12, something like that, mm. tells you that this is a tired bull market and it should have been yeah. up $30, $40 and it should have yes. been pushing the highs. Mm. Exactly mm. right. The, the world just suddenly says to itself, well, you know what? Oil price doing this, but there's loads of oil. Uh, we don't need a safe haven. The stock market's okay. The S and P was uh, down 25 at one stage. It's only down five at the moment. Mm. Or yeah, I, I agree with you entirely on that one. Despite the fact I would love to see a gold bull run. The other thing that's really interested me is the euro dollar exchange rate, which is about to break 110. Um, That's interesting. Which is very interesting. It's a point six. <laughs> no, it really is. Because I mean, mm, you, you think a point six percent move of the euro against the US dollar doesn't sound like much, but for such a massive, mm. massive market, this is incredibly, incredibly important. This is a multi-month high for the dollar against the euro. The euro only now buys one point one zero zero nine US dollars, and yeah, that that is significant to me. It's, look, there are a lot of worries about. About your um, deep, deep concerns about where they're heading. In fact, the the lead article in the um, in the Economist this weekend was about Europe and uh, how wrong they've gone, you know, and how they need to swing things around. And of course, um, we we heard from Draghi last week exactly the situation that they find themselves in. That they need stimulus and they need to get themselves going. Although I must say, in your part of the woods, the Dutch, the Germans, and the French are still reluctant to take any dramatic action. But I mean, the market's beginning to tell you um, exactly how how you know how traders are feeling about the euro. Mm. Um, so things have action has to be taken. I think the worry that they're going to lower rates and um, you know, and also um, stimulate the economy once more, I think, is just scaring people a bit. And yet, underneath there, there's still effect. If you look at the market now, I think there's also concerns about uh, about the Chinese numbers that came in that also show that that economy is still still struggling a little and not uh, also needs stimulus. So it's affecting you know it affects uh, Europe, which is fundamentally an exporter. Um, it has a very strong current account surplus and needs exports. And if China and other markets start to slow down, of course, it hurts them. Yeah, indeed. So put it all together. It's, you know, if you listen to what we're saying, if you listen, 
to try and actually put it all together and to try and draw a line through it and decide an action is not that easy. You know, there's so many counter forces and so many things acting against uh, each other and so many you know data points. It's, 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 it's not an easy market to read. It's not a gimme. You know, I mean, it's not. You ca- it's not a simple. Uh, there's no simple strategy to this. No, there's not. David, let's uh, move away from the markets now and talk about two other things. The first thing is the death of Robert Mugabe. Your family yes. is inextricably linked uh, to the struggle, so-called. <laughs> My wife's family, yeah. Yeah, precisely. But I mean, you're married to your wife, so therefore you are linked as well, and you have you embrace her sympathies or her family's sympathies in the in the past. But I, I find it really, really strange that a man that has killed tens of thousands of his of his yeah. own countrymen has driven an economy that could have been the powerhouse of Africa yeah. into the ground, brought it to its knees. In fact, mm. more than its knees, mm. he killed it. And there are still yeah. people that go there and lord this fellow. What is your attitude towards this? Well, you know, in the early stages, uh, in 1980, when he took power, I think um, he was a man that one could look up to, but only within a few months of him taking power did we start to see trouble erupting. And it continued, and uh, the more power that he got, uh, the worse the economy became and the worse we were dragged down. Um, So, uh, and and towards the end, as you summed up, he took an economy that had, uh, or a country, that had everything from tourism to mining to uh, agriculture, and is, virtu- and is bankrupted. Today it's poverty-stricken. Yeah. And I mean, it's a very sad African story. How we can lord him, you know, from, from that point of view. I mean, people now who are who are desperately poor uh, can still, uh, you know, hold him up or in the esteem that, they, that uh, the rest of the world is holding up, or even some of our leaders are doing. It's just... It's just, uh, you know, it's staggering. It's, it's it how, how we, and it's an African story. I mean, it's not the only country that has been dragged to its knees. And I think that my, my worry is that we're a country that can go the same way with some of the, you know, if, if you read some of the tweets that were uh, sent out by the EFF, just lauding this man and for nothing more than being anti-white. That's it, you know, just for the anti-white really statements. That, not for, do you really think that's what it is? Well, I, I, I don't know what else it is. You know, any common sense, or any person with any kind of common sense, when you read what he said, uh, would be turned off by it or certainly turned away. And th- these are highly inflammatory racist statements that Robert Mugabe made over his time, which the EFF now are highlighting or uh, mm. uh, exposing. And you've got to say, hold on a sec. This is not the way out of the mess that we're in, you know, regardless of, of, of uh, colonialism. This is not the way we're going to get out of this mess. And this is what worries me. And I'm not taking any political stand on colonialism at all. I mean, and I've got my views on the British and uh, the various people that robbed Africa, but still, yeah. it's, 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 you know, Lindsay, the when Belgians you read this, as well, this is, and the French. Yeah, don't sure, just, don't sure. single us out. I know, I know. <laughs> no, what, I know what, what I'm mean. trying to say is that that, I, you know, we need a different attitude to, to turn this place around. We need everybody to contribute. And I don't think kicking out the whites or expelling the whites or uh, uh, hating the whites is going to be the way that, that things turn around here. You know, there are a lot of us that actually want to contribute to the turnaround. 
and are, and are willing to do anything to to get this country going again. So, are you oh, saying then we should extraordinary the, the people that are living today in South Africa and the rest of Africa should forgive and forget not not forget I, I, but, but start know, to forgive and say embrace the people that are now in power. So, what are you I know, saying? I know. Are you saying to the EFF, you know just to forget at, about it and let's get no, on with it what together? what I'm trying to say is I don't mean forget about it. I don't mean that uh, I'm not saying that. I'm, not, I'm just saying that that's not the solution at this stage. You know, because um, their, their statements are highly inflammatory. I don't, I think that uh, I'm, not, I'm not, what's the word? I'm getting a bit tongue-tied here, but I'm certainly mm, not defending. Too. I'm not defending uh, apartheid or that government by a long way. We all fought against it. We all fought for a better country. And that's where my in-laws came in. You know, they, they went to jail fighting for uh, what they believed in. And we thought we had that in 94. And perhaps that's where I'm going. We had it in 94, yet we're moving away from that. You know, we're moving far away from those ideals that were set in the Constitution in 94. And, uh, you know, we're continuing with a blame game and we continue to single out whites as, as perhaps... Uh, the reason that we're in the position, get rid of the whites and everything will come right. And that's not the truth. That's, that's you know, that's far from it. So, um, you know, I just I just want to get on with, with trying to save South Africa and pick up growth here. As many other people here, hardworking people who have spent their lives here, are trying to do that. Certainly my, my wife's family, that's what they fought for. You know, um, they would have, they would have freaked if they would have read what uh, Malema is saying. You know, this is certainly not what what their ideals were at all. I hope that makes sense. I'm not... It really uh, does make sense, actually, but it's given me so much to think involved. about. I wonder if Mr. Malema was... Uh, it'd be wonderful. I've got his mobile number. I'd love to get him on uh, for a chat with you as, and, and have a reasoned discussion with him, but I don't think that's going to be possible. But anyway... No. Yeah, he's he's a he's a volatile young man. But what I do like about him is his, his passion. I just don't like the, the way he goes about... Projecting his passion, if you see what I mean. Yeah, no, I think so. And I think also, you know, there's got to be a reasonable economic uh, understanding to get this country right, you know. Mm. You need skills, you need capital, you need all those elements to to turn around uh, where we are at the moment. So you need everybody. You know, you can't exclude a certain factor just because of the color of the skin. You can't say you're white, therefore you're, uh, this is not your country. I think a lot of people um, were born here, have worked very hard here, and uh, want, to, want to see a better life for all. And uh, so I don't think the Mugabe route, which is where we're getting to, is the way out of our mess. I don't, I don't, th- I don't think that's going to help us in any way. So before you expel everybody, I think just just give us the chance to to uh, turn things around. And you know, once we're thriving, uh, then then we'll see. <laughs> but it's not going to be in my lifetime. <laughs> no, nor mine. <laughs> uh, David, anyway, let's talk hope, about football. I now. hope this doesn't go the wrong way. I, no, I, I you just, know, I you've, just get... you've eloquently articulated your feelings, and I think a lot of people will be sympathetic to your mm-hmm. cause, uh, mm. as I am as well. David, let's talk about football now. I've been trying to think of an analogy for the Arsenal performance in the second half against Watford yesterday. And I thought of this one. When I was young, I've always been tall. 
When I was young, I was occasionally asked mm -hmm. to dance. You know, you go to you go to a dance, you go to a student mm -hmm. union a disco or something like that in the ninety late nineteen eighties, and you have you have to dance away. And I I didn't like dancing. I think dancing is stupid, and I was crap at dancing. So I would I mean, for example, I would look the the best way I can describe it is I would look like a giraffe playing golf when I was dancing. But people used to say to me the following: Lindsay, don't worry about that. Have a drink and dance. Dance like nobody is watching you. Now, I thought about Arsenal playing in the second half against Watford yesterday, and yeah. I thought that somebody had said to them, play football like nobody is watching you. And it was, they were terrible. <laughs> they were awful. They were like me dancing. They were terrible. I know. They were amateurish. And, and, I, and I, think, I don't think there's any way to describe uh, the way they played. It's almost as though they, they wanted to walk off the field and not, not kick the ball, um, that these are people who, who are paid very, very high wages mm. on a weekly basis and who are supposedly skilled. Uh, they showed nothing of the sort. And, uh, you know, at least Man City lost to, to Norwich and Norwich played with their heart. But, but Man City, yeah, but Man City were good. They still had the skills. It's just that Norwich defended so well and held them off. But also, it's just pathetic. And, and I, I just worry about the manager. I just uh, I wonder if there's the, the right kind of attitude there. And uh, I, I just worry where they are. You know, where, oh, they, yes, they played incredibly well against Spurs and came back and, and showed that they had heart. And then it lasts a week and they're gone. <laughs> you know? and, and you need consistency. And they just haven't got it. You never know who's going to turn up the next week. You know, and, and, and that's not what you need. You know, this is, we need the Steve Smiths. You know, we need a, a person of Steve Smith's character. And, and uh, You're talking about Steve uh, Smith, the Australian batsman. The, the Australian who batsman. Is, is, is the best consistent. batsman in the world. He's incredible. Yeah. I hate him, no but matter he's what incredible. the pitch, no matter what the pitch, no matter what the, you know, uh, what the weather's like, who's bowling, etc. He's just there. Don't you think there should be some kind of, of new system where you know, you're, you're going to go to play for Arsenal or Liverpool or Manchester United like Paul Pogba is, who's my least favourite footballer in the world ever. You go to your club and you have to sign a contract to say it's a performance bonus. If we yeah. win or if you, yeah. if you yeah, score a goal course, or if you man. have a certain amount of assists, then you'll get paid this amount of money. But you can't get £225,000 a week if you're just going to turn up in your limousine, uh, half drunk from the night before, and not contribute well, to the team. I think there sh it should be performance-based. And I really think that that, should, that would reform and transform the way that football works. I hate the, the fact that they just turn up every week and, and, and well, get, not, and get so much money for doing travel. nothing. Watford's in the north of London. It's not too far away. Uh, the bus ride wasn't all that long. So it wasn't though they were tired. I mean, it's, it's close to home, but hell, yeah. I agree with you. I just think that, that uh, they should be fined you know, or, or certainly uh, so, you know, there should be some deduction for such a poor performance. I mean, hell. Yeah, and I've, the fans, you let down your fans. They you know, you pay £100 a week to go and watch these strutting peacocks, these popping jays. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's actually offensive. I watched Paul Pogba. Mm -hmm. And I yeah, think I you, you are a disgrace to football. He turned up once at a, a training ground at Manchester United. He was in a Bentley. 
and a chauffeur came out and opened the door for him. And what does that send out to the young players? No, no. Are, I mean, come on now. <laughs> I know, yeah. David, he we're, doesn't we're, want to pay, no, no. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, 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 we're getting off the subject here. Thank you so much for your time. That's David Shapiro okay. from Sassman Securities in Johannesburg. By the way, David, your results are out tomorrow. Are you going to give us a, a good analysis of those? Well, I see the shares are up about 10%, but they did give a – a warning that uh, you know results could be up. I don't know, twenty, thirty percent. Remember, they're coming off a very low base. Okay. But uh, we'll look, chat tomorrow. at least we're at least we're moving in the right direction. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Jolly good. Yes, Thank you, David. That's David Shapiro from Sassman Securities. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with ShareNet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.